Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Hey, I'm Ashley Lemieux, and I'm here to help you uncover the greatest power in your life. You! After going on my own healing journey, I realized I was looking for the wrong thing, a way out. But I didn't need a way out. What I really needed was a way in, to fully uncover who I am. Each week I'll be sharing tangible tools and inspiring interviews to help you create a clear pathway forward in areas of your life that you might feel stuck or overwhelmed in. I'm not here to be the expert on your life. You are. What I want is to help you believe that. So get ready to reframe your thoughts, reimagine your future, and reclaim your power. Are you ready? I am. I'm so excited about today's conversation because we are talking about the thing that I feel like keeps so many of us stuck. It has kept me stuck. It kept me stuck for a really, really long time. And what I have learned about life is that even if our situations, like the details of our circumstances, even if those do not change, the way we feel about them can, the way we feel about ourselves can, the way we feel and perceive the truth of our life can change, even if the details don't. And I think that this is really important and is something that we kind of overlook sometimes because it might feel too simple or it might feel like it won't actually fix or change or help anything. If you have read section one of I Am Here, then you know the power of reframing our thoughts. And we can't get started with getting unstuck in our lives until we learn how to get unstuck from the thought patterns and the thought cycles that go on in our head every single day. As I'm talking with you tonight, since this is a conversation, but I'm the only one on screen, if I say something that resonates with you, will you comment in the chat box so that I can know, hey, this is something that's resonating with people. I'm gonna keep leaning into this or okay, we're gonna move on to the next thing. If you have a question, specific question about something that we're talking about tonight, then you will go over to the chat box. If you see it on the bottom, tell me if you can see it on the bottom. There's a little chat box. Nope, sorry. That's okay. Rewind. The chat box is where you're going to comment throughout the night, but the Q&A box is where you're going to leave questions. So I'm going to leave time at the end of tonight to do questions. And um, I'm going to pull them from there. Cool. Also, can you guys hear the wind chimes in the background? They All of a sudden this door, dust storm has gone through. And so the wind chimes that are in our backyard feel really, really loud, but I can't, I can't tell if you guys, yeah, you can hear it. Okay, time, time out, pause. It was our welcome, our beautiful welcome um, wind chimes, but I'm gonna go shut this door really quick, <laughs> hold on.
Okay, I'm back. All right. Who's ready to dig in? <laughs> I am so ready to dig in. From this uh, section of the book, Reframe Your Thoughts, the reason that we're starting here is because how many of you have felt stuck in your life? How many of you have ever reached a point in your life where you're like, I literally don't know how to move forward? Anyone? Because I have gotten to several points throughout my life where a situation has happened and it could be small. It could be that I didn't get a job that I wanted. It could be that I'm not doing super well in school with the major that I chose. It could be that a relationship needs to come to an end. It could be something bigger like loss or grief or a big move or whatever it is. There's these times in our life that we get to and it just feels like we're stuck because we don't know what to do next. And as I have found myself there many times throughout my life, there's been a few key there's been a, cute, a few key things that have made me feel like I'm stuck. And the first one is one that I think that a lot of us share, but it's fear. It's the fear of moving forward. It's the fear of taking the leap. It's the fear of trying something new. Do any of those resonate with you? Because the fear for me has stopped me in my tracks a lot of times. Um, the fear of not being good enough, the fear of trying again after heartache, oh, the fear of that can feel so crippling because what if it doesn't happen how you want it to again, right? So there's a couple of things about fear in chapter four that I really want to talk about. If you want to pull your books open, nope, it's chapter two. Um, because, because a lie, this lie that I kept telling myself over and over again was I'm afraid I'm too afraid to do this. It's, it's too hard. What if I like, what if I fail, which we'll talk about in a second. And after a while I started reframing that thought and I started asking myself, well, what if it's not fear? What if it's love? Because one of the things that I was the most afraid about was the loss of my kids. I was afraid of never seeing them again, never experiencing them again, wondering if they were okay, if they knew that I loved them, if I failed as a mom. That fear made me ill. It um, drove every decision in my life. It made me feel really, really stuck. And one day as I was driving home and I saw a little girl who re reminded me just like my little girl, I had to pull over the car because the emotion of it just got to me so intensely. And as I sat there gripping the steering wheel, this new thought came in my head and it was, what if it's not fear? What if it's love? What if there's a profound love inside of me that is deeper than the fear that really is the root cause of what I'm feeling. With reframing our thoughts, the most important part of it is going down and figuring out if we can get to a deeper root cause than the feeling that we're having that is making us feel stuck. What I have found, tell me if you can relate to this, is that most of us 
the thing that we are most uh, are afraid of losing, what it kind of boils down to is love. We're afraid of losing people we love, things that we love, parts of ourselves that we love, right? Am I wrong or am I right? Because in my life, every single thing that I've been afraid of trying or going after or losing all has related back to love. And as I ask myself this question, well, what if it's not fear? And what if it's love? How can I then live my life from a place of love and allowing love to guide me instead of fear? But also, I reached this realization that the very thing that we are all afraid of losing, which is love, is one of the only things that we cannot actually lose. We can't lose love. Once we feel it, once it's a part of us, once it is in our soul and it connects us to the people in our world, connects us to the people in our lives, connects us to the hobbies and the things that we really enjoy, it's a part of us forever. And so as I started thinking about that and thinking about, wow, the thing that I am most afraid of losing is actually a thing that I cannot lose how does that change my relationship with my life? It changes it a lot. And there's a few things um, that I learned about fear that I wanna talk about really quick. There's five things. Because I think that a lot of us wait for this point in our lives where we just don't feel afraid anymore. Where where we think, okay, this is really scary. Um, so I'm gonna wait until time feels a little more perfect till I don't feel afraid anymore. And then I'm gonna go after this thing. Or we look at other people around us and we think, oh, they must not be afraid. This must be easy for them. How many times do we look at the people around us who are doing maybe what we wanna be doing or are going through something hard, but they seem to be carrying themselves okay, right? They seem to be showing up to the world and they're like, oh my gosh, you're doing a lot better than I would be doing. They must not feel so afraid. This must not be so hard for them. But nobody's exempt from fear. And we can still walk forward in our lives while we feel it because everyone's going to feel it. So here's the five things that I learned about fear that are true, that I didn't know were true for a long time. The first one is that fear is an acceptable emotion. How many of you when you feel afraid, how many of you think it's bad? How many of you tell yourself that it's bad? Or how many of you get embarrassed or feel shame when you're afraid of something? We beat ourselves up about it. But fear, it's an acceptable emotion. It's, it's part of all of us, from the smallest child to the spiritual guru, to every single human who you interact with, we're all walking through fear. And I think that it's kind of, fear's kind of like pain where once we stop running away from it and we learn how to reframe it, then we're able to walk through life with it. The second thing that I learned about fear is that it's a physical response of our bodies trying to protect us from the things it believes will cause us harm. So here's, here's where part of reframing my fear for me got really impactful because I was so afraid of pain and fear for so long that I just kept trying to run away from it. But then I realized, oh my gosh, 
Fear is actually trying to protect me. So I'm going to show you guys something that I do when I feel afraid because there are times when I go to the doc, the doctor's office really freaks me out. I've had some stressful moments in the doctor's office. So for example, when I go to the doctor for another scan or ultrasound, it becomes a whole body experience. My heart is racing. My chest is tight. My breath gets um, heavier. My head gets like kind of confused and, and dizzy. And this fear, like it almost gets stuck in my throat and I just feel it absolutely everywhere. Once I started realizing that my fear was my body's response trying to protect me, it helped me be less afraid. So now I literally will do this out in public. It's fine. I'm, I'm that girl who you see out in public and you're like, either she's got to figure it out or she's got a little, uh, she has some things she's working through. <laughs> but what I do is I take my hands, my arms, and I wrap them around my body and you can say it out loud or you could say it, um, you know, whisper it to yourself. But I say, I tell my body, thank you for trying to protect me right now. I am safe. I'm okay. I know you're trying to protect me, but I don't need you to protect me right now. And it helps my body know that I am okay that I am safe, that fear doesn't need to protect me right now. And that's a tool that um, has really changed my relationship with a lot of things in my life because once we can start reframing that fear is just like, just like pain, fear and pain have so many similarities. Fear, just like pain, was never meant to stop us, was never meant to destroy us. It's always wanted to protect us. And so when we can tell our fear that we're okay and we don't need to be protected right now, then it helps us open this dialogue of, okay, what else do I feel besides fear that I can invite to come to the surface? Because it's really hard for fear and love to coexist at the same time. They'll co they can coexist a little bit, but only one of them gets to guide your, your decisions, right? Because for me, the decisions I make based off of love and truth are a lot different than the decisions I make off of fear. So only one of them can take the lead. Just because you make a decision based off of love doesn't mean that you are not feeling fear, but it means that you're not giving fear the power to keep you stuck and trapped and really small in your life anymore. Okay, the third truth that I have learned about fear is that fear suffocates love the very thing that we are all afraid of losing which is love fear suffocates it so i'm going to read this part from from my book because you love your friends your spouse and your kids you might feel afraid for their safety and worry for their well-being because you love them fear gets triggered but instead of generating more love fear keeps us in the dark because it is dark I start my days now by saying this mantra, please allow love to guide my day and make love known to me today. When I look for love, I find it everywhere and it grows. And when I look for fear, I find fear everywhere and it grows. We can choose to look for love. Um, there have been many moments in my life where scary things were happening and fear felt all consuming. And so like I just read, what I started doing is I would open my day with, please allow me to see and feel love today. 
please let love make itself known to me today. And in those moments when I was recognizing that love actually is everywhere, it made the fear that felt like it was everywhere feel less and less and less. So that's another tool you can add to your toolkit. The fourth truth about fear that I've learned is that fear is a judgment. It's not a reality. Fear convinces us that we have to rely on our own strength for everything and makes us forget there's a larger source of love and help that comes from the universe around us. And the reality is that we're never alone, which means we don't have to feel like we're doing it all alone either. So here's, here's the part that I, um, I want you guys to journal this. Okay, so you can pull it up on your computer or your phone, like a little notepad or something, or if you have a pen and paper handy. But I just want to spend a second here because I think that this is really important when we allow ourselves to just sit in this for a moment and figure out what it is that we need to know about our lives. So I'm going to ask you this question. What is behind the fear? The first answer that comes to your head, you can even write it in the chat because I would actually love to read some of them. But when I ask the question, what is behind the fear? What comes to your head? Failure, brokenness, being alone, rejection, losing control, physical pain, letting others down lack of confidence and money, losing your family, getting hurt, not being enough, being alone, uncertainty, failure. Oh, there's a lot coming through the unknown, memories. Thank you guys for sharing this. Okay, so here's what we do, all right? So we have, we have the fear, we have the thing that you are afraid of. Can you write that down somewhere big? Because we're, we're going to give it space to be acknowledged right now. For some reason, your this fear that you have, it wants to be acknowledged. And instead of running away from it, we're going we're gonna to straight up acknowledge it. Let me know when you have it written down, just in the chat. Okay, so now as it's written down, what is something... If you dig, if you think about that fear, I want you to go deeper. If you go deeper than that fear, what do you come up with? Can you possibly dig down to a positive emotion that is rooted underneath that fear? Tell me what you're feeling in the comments. Kaylee says love. Wanting love and to be loved, says Rachel. Christine says support. Gina says support. Health. I recognize that I have big dreams and that's a beautiful thing uncertainty but but oh this is so good so one of you had a had a fear that or um one of your fears is uncertainty but now you're also saying uncertainty but the uncertainty could be a good outcome 
That's, that's good. Okay, so here's what we do. You have your fear, but now you also have an underlying positive emotion. And how we reframe our thoughts now is we anchor ourselves 100% to that positive emotion. The fear is allowed to exist. It's allowed to be there. It wants to be acknowledged. Why? Because it's trying to protect you. But there's something bigger that you can anchor yourself to. And either you can anchor yourself to fear and never move anywhere, or you can anchor yourself to that positive emotion that lives even deeper, and you can draw strength from it. There's two different anchors in our lives, but the fear sucks us of the power, right? But the other anchor, the one of truth and light and love that allows us to keep moving forward, that's where we gain our power from, which is why it is so important that we anchor ourselves to the right place. Does that make sense? Because fear doesn't fuel you positively. It drains you. But deeper than the fear is the source of truth that can keep you sustained to keep on going. All right, so right now, what I want you to write down underneath your fear and underneath what that other positive emotion is, is what can you do today to begin to more fully anchor yourself to the positive underlying emotion? What can you do today? You can start so simple. It could be as simple as, like I showed you one of my tools of wrapping myself up and telling myself that I don't need to be protected, that I'm okay. It could be, could be so many things based off of your situation. But once you find that, because, because here's the other thing is a lot of times we start feeling stuck in our lives because we're not making steps forward. So tonight, if you can leave here with an action step forward, that's anchoring you to a positive emotion instead of the one that is scaring you half to death. Well, look at you. You've already started moving further down a path, right? So what is it? What is it that you can start doing to anchor yourself to the positive emotion? Christine said learning how to speak up, but that's hard. I love that. It's hard. It's allowed to be hard. The tools in this book will help you keep learning how to use your voice. Haley said, I can put in effort and not judge it. Aline said, reach out more. Laura said, repeating to myself, I am loved. Focus on what I can do instead of the things that I can't. That's a good one. Okay. I'm proud of you guys. Look at what you've already come up with in, our, in like 20 minutes together. How do you feel, I have a question. How do you feel when you acknowledge your fear? Does it make you feel like you kind of take your power back or does it make you feel more afraid when you say it out loud? Or does it make you feel good that you can confront it and not run from it? How does it feel to confront your fear or to just not confront it, to even acknowledge it? Like, do you, do you allow yourself to acknowledge fear in your life? Ooh, Ashley says, like, there's a way out. Chrissy says, like, you're nervous and excited at the same time. Kaylee said, vulnerable. Nikki said, you had a feeling, you had to uh, have this 
washing all over feeling of peace. Like you can get your power back. Feels great to acknowledge it right now. I feel like I'm in a therapy session. Feel released, feel terrifying. Okay, so fear and terror, those are those are kind of the same, right? So Janess, how can we go even below the fear? So you have the fear, you have the terror, or maybe is, is terror feel even bigger than fear for you? So maybe it goes terror, then fear. But if you if you were to like just take those and just like put them to the side for a second, what would remain? Uh, Christina says being able to call out what it is, then you can have help to move forward. You know what? I think a lot of people get stuck because we're afraid to acknowledge our fears. Like, why are we why are we afraid to acknowledge the things that we're afraid of? They exist whether we speak it out loud or not. But when we speak it out loud, when we can when we can understand why we are afraid, then we have a way to move again. Right. Like then we have a then we have a way to either move forward with it or to move around it or to learn something from it. So many people spend their lives so afraid of being afraid. They don't acknowledge it, but I think there's so much bravery in acknowledging it. There's so much power in acknowledging it because then you know what it is you need to focus on instead of just running around trying to figure out, you know, making things up because you don't want to confront the thing that actually needs your attention. Okay. We're going to keep going to fear, actually. Should we move on to fear? Because I feel like, I mean, failure, because I feel like failure and fear kind of go hand in hand. So, so here's the thought that I started reframing to myself about um, failure. And it is this. What if it's not failure? <laughs> that thing in your mind that you're thinking of, of like that you're afraid of or that you're afraid of failing at. I want you to just ask right now in your head out loud, literally ask out loud. Um, and side note, everything I've written and I am here, everything I've done in my life is a result of me asking myself questions and then listening for the answers. That's it. People ask me all the time, how have you found healing? How do you find joy in your life? How do you keep moving forward? I ask myself really hard freaking questions based off of how I'm feeling. And then I sit still and quiet long enough, even when it's uncomfortable, to listen for the answers. Because your answers are here. They're in you. They just need to be pulled out. So I'm going to ask that a question again. What if the thing you're afraid of failing, what if it's not failure? Would that change things for you? If failure wasn't actually a scary thing, but could be reframed as what if it's growth? Would that change things for you? Change things for me? Did you know that um, I almost didn't write this book because I was turned down for Born to Shine? I was turned down by the top publishers in the country who told me that nobody in my audience wanted to re read Born to Shine because I wasn't a writer. That's all I wanted to be my entire life was a writer. It was all I was doing. I was writing on social media, writing on Instagram, speaking, doing all these things. And the thing that I had spent my whole life trying to do and become, I was told I was not good enough at it. And I felt like the biggest failure on planet earth. 
So when the last publisher told me no for my first book, I said, I failed. I failed at writing. I failed at what I thought I was supposed to be doing in my life. I'm done. Never writing again. I suck. I freaking suck at this. And I let myself have a big pity party until one day I was like, what am I doing? The only time that I can fail in my life is when I stop trying anymore. That's what failure is to me. Failure, failure to me is when we stop trying. And uh, I've gotten really good at just keep trying. So I wrote the book. I wrote Born to Shine on my own, became a bestseller. Then I got two more book deals and here's I am here. I am here would not exist if I allowed my first failure to stop me, okay? Right, like, and, and I, I wanna make that this is really important because I think that we see other people who are doing things like I was talking about a little bit ago, who are doing what we wish we were doing, who are building a business or who are raising their children or who are in a relationship and like whatever it is that they're doing, we just think, oh, that must've came easy for them. No, none of this has come easy. And honestly, I don't think it's supposed to. Like sometimes the cards, sometimes the cards really do just lay out in our favor and other times it just doesn't. And so here's some things that I learned about failure because the stories that we tell ourselves about failure, I think are, are the things that stop us. I don't think it's, it's not failure that stops us, right? Like people could tell me no all day long about like I, I, Mike has gotten obsessed with gardening, for example. Okay. I, oh, I, gardening is cute and fun to me. Like I, I know I'm not good at it, but it's just fun. And so if I were to grow a garden in my backyard and none of the crops grew, which happened to me before, I wouldn't consider myself a failure. I would think, oh my gosh, like good job trying. You had fun while you were doing it. You'll try again next year and maybe you'll learn something. Okay. So like I failed at the garden, but I was, I'm okay. So I'll keep moving forward. But with my book example, something that meant so much to me, something that I, that I felt like my purpose was something that I really wanted the same result of it didn't work out well the first time feeling like a failure. It was the same, it was the same situation of failing but the stories that I created around it in my head is what gave the failure power, is what gave the failure power to stop me, is what then just created all of these lies to myself. Does that make sense? So here's some things that I've learned about failure that we tell ourselves that just aren't true. The first one, failure is a reflection of who I am. If any, if you take anything from tonight, I need you to be, I, I need it to be this. I, I need it to be tattooed across your forehead so that you see it on yourself every day when you look in the mirror. Maybe you even put on a sticky note. But listen, failure is a thing that happens to you. It is not you. Failure is a thing that happens to you. It is not you, okay? 
So many women who've reached out to me to me believe that they are the absolute embodiment of failure. But sister, you can't be a failure. It's an event and a result, an unfortunate, but often totally necessary part of getting better, stronger, and smarter, but it isn't a part of your identity. If failure is a reflection of anything, it's your bravery, the willingness to put yourself out there, even though it's scary. And that's something you should be proud of. Second lie that I learned about failure, failure means I'm on the wrong path in my life. How many of you try to convince yourself of this? Like for me, when I didn't get my first book deal, it was like, I chose the wrong thing. You know, I really thought this was my purpose. I went to college for it. I've been writing for decades now. This just must not be my thing. The door shut on my first try. And so I better figure something else out. I hate that mentality so much. And sometimes people say, you know, well, when one door closes, another door opens. I can't stand it. Why? Because sometimes we're the ones in charge of opening a new door. Sometimes we're the ones of, of, of finding a new path, of making things work where it, where it seems a little sticky and we feel a little stuck. Doors don't just magically open for everyone in our lives and suddenly we're at this dream destination. Doors open because we open them. Third lie I've learned about fear. If it isn't perfect, it's a failure. Are there any recovering perfectionists out there? Like, do you believe, do you honestly believe that everything that you try should be executed perfectly on your first time? Do you believe it? I believed that for a long time. And I think that instead of aiming for, instead of aiming for perfection, what if we ask this question, what can I learn from this experience that didn't go how I wanted it to? What if perfection stopped being this mark of success or mark of us, I don't know, of our value? Like, why are we aiming for per perfection is not even possible. And then when we don't hit it, we feel like we failed. Well, we've never set ourselves, we can't set ourselves up for success if that's the benchmark that we're basing it off of. How unfair is that? It's, that's so unfair to ourselves. So instead, what if we ask the question of what can I learn from this experience that didn't go how I wanted it to? Allow yourself to answer that question. Then allow yourself to dust yourself off and to stand back up and to try again and to find a new door. The fourth lie I learned about fear Oh my gosh. And I feel like this one, especially as women, especially as women on social media can get really overwhelming. And it's my life looks different than insert whoever's name here. So I must, so I'm failing. Do you ever do that? Because if I gauged my level of personal success on the number of children I have, the number of delicious meals I've cooked or my patients, then I could just lie down and chalk my life up is over. Your life isn't mine and my life isn't yours. We can't keep score because everybody's playing a different game. And one thing we can do though, is cheer each other on and celebrate the other's success. We've got to stop comparing ourselves to each other. I, I think that comparison around between women 
is what is going to destroy us because instead of leaning into our gifts, it's like we feel like our gifts need to look like somebody else's, but it was never supposed to be that way. So then we just sabotage, we just sabotage ourselves, right? The fifth thing, the fifth lie, failure is the end. Have you ever thought that? It kind of sounds absurd when we put it that way, right? Like, oh, I failed. This is the end. This is the end of my, this is the end of my story. But I, I want to ask yourself, I want you to ask yourself this question. I'm going to read it from the book. Why else have you not started the business that has been on your heart? Or why aren't you committing to the relationship that you know is right for you? Or why haven't you moved to the city that's calling for you or dusted off the piano for the audition or called the adoption agency? Don't set yourself up for failure before you even start. Not trying doesn't keep you safe. It keeps you unfulfilled and in regret. Failure is not the end. I, I actually think it can be the beginning because when we finally get the courage to try something, even though, even if it doesn't go right the first time, well, guess what? We get to check off, okay, that path didn't work. Here's what I learned. Here's what I need to do moving forward. And here's this new door that I didn't even know existed before because it wasn't even in my line of sight. And now I get to keep moving forward. I think that our first sign of failure is actually the beginning because it means that we are actually freaking moving in our lives finally. Not failing means that we've played it way too safe. It means that we're probably not going after the things that we want to be going after. And we're, we're, just, we're just staying away from the things that scare us. So I want you to ask this question. So, so back on the, the journal page or the computer or wherever it is that you're writing this. And I actually want to know in the chat too. But when have you experienced a failure that led to something new? When have you failed at something, but it went to your favor? Or after a while, it went to your favor? Or you learned something that then impacted you later? Let me know when you got that down. Because just like acknowledging our fears, We've got to acknowledge the times where we feel like we failed so that we can then reframe that story to give us the courage to keep moving forward. Okay. Now I, I feel like failure leaves us to the next thing. Kelsey said that infertility led to the new door of adoption. Uh, Haley said, I failed at a relationship, but it taught me to value myself better outside of others' eyes. That's amazing. Han said, did not get the job interview that I wanted so badly, but it's taught me um, to, be con to be content with where I am now and be stronger, be the stronger one in my current work. It's awesome. Okay, so then the next thing, so, so we've gone through fear, we've gone through failure. 
But now then how do we keep moving forward? How do we reframe our thoughts now so that we can move forward in our lives? And this brings us to chapter five of what if we don't need to let go? What if we don't need to let go of the things that we're afraid of? What if we don't need to let go of the things that we feel like we failed at? What if we need to embrace it? What would it mean in your life if you didn't have to let go of the hard things? What it, would it mean if actually if you embraced them and it gave you more support? What would that mean for your life? There's a few things that, that I've learned and why, why this chapter, why this concept of being able to reframe this is so important to me. I feel like a lot of us have memories of things that are hard. And even if those things cause us pain, sometimes we still find our identity in it. Sometimes we identify with the grief and the suffering and we don't actually know how to exist not feeling those things or we're afraid of doing that or we're missing people and things that we loved and we're afraid that if we move forward without them, then we're leaving them behind. But what I know about our past, just like what I know about love, is that it's a part of us forever. But it also can be a part of us forever in a healthy way. It needs to be a part of us forever in a healthy way so that it can create fertile soil. And what I believe is that when our past and our present work together to bring our future, that is, I mean, to bring our current present moment let me say that again because I totally butchered that, but I knew in my head what I was trying to say. I believe that the pain of our past and what might happen in the future can come together and work together right now to create our present moment. And in our present moment is where we find the fertile soil to start growing, to start moving, to start transforming. And something my therapist taught me that plays over and over again in my head is transformation happens in between the place of no longer and not yet. The past of no longer and the future of not yet creates a present moment of transformation. So that must mean then that everything that has happened in the past and everything that's going to happen in the future has combined to lead us right here in this moment. And this is the only place that we can experience growth and transformation. I believe that to be true about our present moment, which is why reframing our thoughts to take our power back in the present moment so that we don't feel so scared and paralyzed to move forward is one of the most important, courageous and brave things that we can do because it allows us to set up a different trajectory for our, our future, right? But there's three ways that we need to do that. So how do we embrace, how do we embrace our past and how do we live in our presence, our, our present and, and while also preparing for the future? One, acceptance. The act of fully receiving your life as a gift will set you free in ways that nothing else will. I want you to write down the answer, the first answer that comes to your head. What if your life is a gift? What if everything happening in your life is a gift that is waiting to be received? Does that change your view on your life? Does that change how you interact with the fear, with the things that have caused pain in the past? It changes it for me. 
and I don't want to say this in a way that feels, oh, this is just so easy. Okay, I came up with this answer and it changes everything. No, this is the hard work that you're being invited to do. What if as part of the healing, you're able to reframe your thought and look at life of as, oh, what if I receive my life as a gift? What does that look like for me? It brings freedom. Acceptance of your life, how it is right now in this moment, bring you freedom to start moving in the way that you want to. And the second thing that allows us to embrace our past and keep moving forward at the same time is forgiveness. Do any of you struggle like I do with forgiveness? There's people in my life that have caused a lot of pain. Well, they're not in my life anymore. There's people that I've come across in my life who have caused a lot of pain. And thinking of forgiving them um, is still something that is really hard for me, which is why forgiveness is a practice. And one of the most beneficial things that I ever was told was from a practitioner that I was working with. And here's what she, she, she taught me an exercise on, on what forgiveness actually means. And it means that you want the good for someone else that you desire for yourself. Holy crap. <laughs> that is so hard to do. But you know what, when we don't, when we live in this cycle of allowing someone to keep generating pain in our lives, we're chained to them. We're chained to that action. We're chained to their energy. We're chained to the pain that they cause us. So here's what I'm going to challenge you to do that I was challenged to do. And even to this day, I've been doing this now for, I think it's been two, two and a half years now. It's still so hard, but here's what it is. You think of the person that you need to forgive and you say out loud, I send her or him the same love and success that I hope to bring into my own life. Please send her the joy that allows her to be free and fulfilled. Fill her life with happiness and love and let her feel how loved she is. So the first time I did that, I thinking about doing that had made me physically sick. And then finally I did it. And it was this huge emotional release that I could just let that go, that I'm not the judge, that I'm not the person in control of their fate and making sure justice is served, but that I can allow my that energy to release from me by hoping the best for them. Forgiveness is so important. And you know what, you guys, sometimes the forgiveness also is for ourselves. Sometimes we have to learn how to forgive ourselves so that we're not chained to a past version of ourselves either. And we give ourselves permission to keep going. Um, oh my gosh, this time has gone so fast. So I'm going to speed up through this last one so that I can get to a couple questions. But the third thing that allows us to embrace our life is gratitude. And, and I want you to, I, I want you as you finish tonight, as we finish the night together, as you're going through your week, I want you to be able to feel the gratitude for your life of, of no matter what is happening, no matter what is hold you, what has held you back in the past, but that you can be grateful for anything that's happened in your life that has led you here. And there's this exercise that I'm going to have you do. Write this down. It's going to be on page 62. We're not going to do it tonight so that we can have time to keep chatting with each other. But on page 62 of I Am Here and in the Facebook group this week, come share it with me because this is really powerful. But you're going to get a piece of paper, okay? And at the top of your paper, you're going to write evidence that my past is serving my presence. 
And so then you're going to create a column. And in that column, you're going to write down five experiences in your past that were hard, uncomfortable, or that kept negatively impacting your life. Um, and what you put on the paper belongs to you. No one else is going to see it unless you choose to share in the Facebook group. But then in the next column, I want you to write a present circumstance that your past is now serving. So for example, the loss of our kids destroyed our life for a really long time. Now it serves me because I see people differently. I see the world differently. I'm able to show up differently. I'm the best auntie on planet earth. Being an auntie is my favorite thing ever. I'm able to just show up for people who are having a hard time because I know what that is like. Right. So that's an example of how is your past serving your present moment? How can you find freedom and power and strength in that? Because how it starts is if we do not start reframing our thoughts, if these negative thoughts that we keep telling ourselves over and over and over again in our heads, I'm a failure. I'm too afraid. I'm never going to be able to do this. I'm not loved. I'm not worthy. I'm not enough. If that's the story we continuously tell ourselves, we are going to stay stuck in that life forever. And sister, I just believe that there's so much more waiting for you than that. So I want to end with this mantra and then we're going to go to like nine minutes of questions. So if you have a question, write it in the Q&A below. But can you repeat this? I want you to say this out loud. Okay, you guys ready to say this out loud? Comment in the sidebar if you're ready to say this out loud. I embrace my future. I embrace my future and it brings me joy and power in my present moment. Everything is working out for my good. You say that everything is working out for my good. That is something that if we can start believing that, then how we approach different situations in our life completely start to change. Okay. Taylor asks, what if you, this is such a good question, Taylor. What if you lose things you love due to chronic pain? For example, I loved running sports dancing, but I no longer can. First of all, I'm so sorry. And I think just like fear is that we have to acknowledge those things that we have lost. Doing this, reframing our thoughts isn't pretending that nothing bad has happened. That's not it. It's that we acknowledge them. So we acknowledge that there are things that you love to do, but due to chronic pain, you can no longer do that anymore. And there has to be a healthy grieving process that takes place so that you're not stuck just in, I wish I could do this. I can't do this. I can't, right? And so, well, what can you do? Are there now... Now, as we grieve that part of your life that is no longer, that is so painful, what can be invited in? What new hobbies are waiting for you? Is there, you know, is there painting? Is there less impact sports? Is there, I, you know, I'm trying to start boxing again. Boxing used to be my thing. And then I went septic last year and I got way too sick. It's really hard for me to box and I can't really do it. So I do yoga instead. And so I've, I hated yoga. I freaking hated yoga more than any person on planet earth in the beginning. Um, but now I've learned to love it. So there has to be a grief, an acknowledgement, a grief, and then a new plan forward. Thanks for your question, Taylor.
Mackenzie says, do you have suggestions on how to forgive someone who is still in your life and doing and saying harmful things? Can't completely cut him out because he's in my son's dad. Okay. This is so good. Because what we have to do in order to create healing in our lives sometimes requires boundaries. And sometimes those boundaries means that we are learning how to use our voice for the first time. We're learning how to tell people no for the first time. And Mackenzie, I don't know what your situation is, but I know that it's really hard. Um, forgiving someone doesn't mean that they get to trample all over you all the time. Forgiving someone means that you get to energetically cut off from them to be able to move forward. But you don't deserve the harmful things that he's saying. And so a question can be, how can I create boundaries? What, what can boundaries look like so that he knows he's not allowed to talk to me like that anymore? Okay. Kelsey says, how can I really stop comparing myself to other women? So I have a question, Kelsey, when you're comparing, when you're comparing yourself to other women, is that a place of jealousy? Or is, or is there a way that we can see what other women are doing and we can feel excited for them? And we can think, wow, look at what she's doing. Like, I'm so proud of her. Like, good for her. I'm inspired by her. I'm proud of her. What I have found is that when we can cheer on the successes of other people, it's harder for there to be jealousy, which then means there, it's harder to have comparison. Jealousy and comparison are kind of like sisters. They just go hand in hand. So what if instead of comparing ourselves to each other, we started celebrating each other? In true celebration of each other, there's really not room for comparison. And so that's where I would start. And it might feel fake at first. It might feel really fake at first, but keep going with it because then you can know that these, these women aren't my competition. These women are showing me what's possible. These women are helping pave a way. These women are giving me you know, something to admire that that I see they're doing it. So I know it's possible for me too. That's where I start. Yeah. And Christy says a sisterhood, like I truly believe. So my whole life, my sister and I call us ourselves sis, sissy. And then we start calling each other sisto, like with an O and girls in our high school started calling each other sistos. And we'd be like, what? We are the ones who invented the sistohood, <clears throat> but we call my dad sisto, my my brother-in-law's sister, my brother's a sister, but it's like this term of endearment because in a sisterhood, yeah, you fight, you might argue, of course, because you're sisters, but the love is so deep that you only want the other person's success. And so when we can, can, can cultivate <clears throat> these areas of sisterhood, I think that's where we win. And in sisterhood, there's really not a lot of comparison. Okay. How do I let, so Taylor says, how do I let go of expectations of how I thought my life would go versus what it actually is? Can I get an amen? Anyone else feel this way? Because I think that this is the battle of my life of the expectation and reality, right? I think unmet expectations are the biggest source of grief and pain in our lives. It's the biggest source of missing out on what we currently have because we are so honed in on what we don't. 
I'm not saying this because because it's easy and because I think that we should all just let go of expectations and be grateful. No, I'm saying this out of years of having my life look completely different than I ever thought it would and trying to find a balance um, and a restoration in, in what my life is. So the first thing that we have to do, I think, in, in letting go of expectations is, again, acknowledging what is our life right now and how do we find acceptance there? That was one of the things we were talking about of how, what if we don't need to let it go? What if we can embrace it? How do I find acceptance? I, I think that finding acceptance is where we start. And that's something that takes a lot of self introspection and a lot of self, the ability to sit with some hard answers. What is it that you're needing to accept right now? And then how do you accept that? And I also think that expectations really do steal the joy of our life. Because when things don't go perfectly how we think that they should or they would, then we start comparing what we have to what like this imaginary thing that never actually existed. And then what we have becomes not good enough and not enough. And then we feel like we're not enough and our lives are not enough. And, and it's just this endless cycle of, it's this endless cycle of pain. And so I love that question because we have to reframe that, that thought cycle. Okay. I'm going to answer one more before our time is up. Christine says, how can I learn to speak up for myself and not be afraid to do so? I think these are two separate questions and they're great questions. I think the first question is, how can I learn to speak up for myself? You read chapter one of I am here and you start realizing your power. A lot of times for me, we can start seeing the power and what we want and what we have to say when we when we know how it can positively impact someone else and that's sometimes where we have to start is how will me speaking up positively impact some someone else but then the second part is how do i not be afraid to do so you're going to be afraid at first to do so because you're creating a new habit you're creating a new thought system you're creating a new pattern in your life that you have not yet done but just how we were talking about it's okay that you're afraid it's okay that you feel the fear but what's underlining that? Christine, underneath you not speaking up for yourself, underneath you being afraid to use your voice, what is that deeper emotion? Can you identify that? And then how can you anchor yourself to that instead of the fear? Because I can't tell you that you're not gonna be afraid of not doing that. I still get afraid. I, I get so afraid using my voice often. Um, and so the real question is, how do I do it anyway? How do I use my voice even when I'm afraid to do so? I think that's the right question. Okay. You guys, I love you. I'm so proud of you. I know that reframing your thoughts are going to create freedom. And just like anything else, it's a practice. It's a daily practice so that it becomes natural. It becomes something that just simply happens. And it might take a while, but little by little, you're gonna notice, oh my gosh, 
I used to think this, but now I think this. And here's why I want you to do this week, okay? I want you to literally, you can pull out your phone or you can pull out a pad of paper. Anytime you have a negative thought, I want you to write it down. We are acknowledging our fear this week. We're acknowledging crap this week, okay? We're acknowledging the things in our lives that we, that are <clears throat> screaming at us. You're gonna write it down. Then on the opposite side, you are going to reframe it. You're gonna write a truer thought. You're gonna write a more positive thought. I want you to keep noticing the pattern of your thoughts. And over the course of the next week, two weeks, I want you to notice how your thoughts start changing. I want you to notice that as you start practicing reframing, they start changing. And listen, when you notice that you've had a negative thought, it's not a time to beat yourself up. It's a time to say, wow, I'm so proud of myself that I just acknowledged this thought. Good job of stopping this thought right now. I'm gonna choose this better thought instead. And that's how we move forward. All right, you guys, I see you next week. Or actually, I'll see you tonight on Instagram or tomorrow or wherever, but I love you. Start reframing your thoughts. And uh, I'm just so proud of the work that you're doing. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of the I Am Podcast. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. I love hearing from you online. So if there's something that really resonated with you, come and let me know. Share a screenshot of this podcast and tag me on Instagram at Ashley K. Lemieux so I can see what's impacting you the most. It might even help your friends. And remember, every time you ask yourself, am I really strong enough to do this? The answer is, I am. See you next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.